Okay, thank you for having me. Starting to make some friends up here who have been here so often. But that's, that's a good thing, isn't it? Okay, so let's start in the book of Exodus this morning. For Sunday school, <clears throat> we continued the lesson that I had taught on a month and a half ago or so on how to understand your Bible, which can be a difficult thing at times. But we went over some things there, and this morning I want to preach a message entitled, How Much of You is on the Lord's Side? Exodus chapter 32, and um, we're going to go, honestly, we're going to go to quite a few places this morning. So keep your Bible handy, or your iPhone or tablet. Some people do that, you know? It's fine. Some people don't like that. I don't care. It's it's full, fine with me. You know, I'm I'm definitely more old school. I'm just because I'm getting old. So, like when I grew up, there was no digital way of reading your Bible. It was just a book, you know. But these days, I'm just happy that that you're reading. If you are, just don't watch any of the football games while we're trying to preach. Amen. Okay. Exodus 32 and. Let's look down in verse 25. The Bible says, When Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, go in and out, from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his neighbor and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of his, the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses and there fell of the people that day about 3000 men. Moses had said, consecrate yourself today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do ask that you'd please be with this message this morning, be with uh, this lady that had the heart attack. Lord, we pray that you would please give her strength, be with her family, be with Pastor Stewart as well, Lord, and thank you that he was able to make it home. Pray that you would continue to strengthen him. Pray that you would continue to be with this church, Lord, as uh, they've been through some difficult days. Pray that you would keep everyone together and and Lord, we pray that they would uh, just serve the Lord, um, knowing that your return is imminent. We ask that you would help us this morning to understand how important it is that we're fully on your side, and you would open up your word this morning to us and give us something, Lord, that will help us serve you better this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we all know the story. Moses comes down from the mount, and honestly... It seemed like he was up there on the mount for quite some time. Take your Bible and just kind of go with me in Exodus. Go to chapter 24, verse 9. And uh, you'll see that God tells Moses there in verse 9 to go up. And he says 
It says that, that then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. And then um, verse 12, the Lord said unto Moses, why don't you come up to me in the mountain, be there, and I will be, and I will give thee the tables of stones and the law, and the commandments which I have written, and that thou mayest teach them. So Moses rose up and, and his minister Joshua went up into the mount of God. And uh, the 70 elders there and Aaron, of course, stayed behind. And Moses was up there for quite some time. He was up there chapter 25, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and you go over to 26. Um, some of the idols there in the, or the items there in the tabernacle. And there's the brazen altar in 27. The, it says, talks about the Urim and the Thummim and the priest and their consecration in 28 and 29. It talks about the priest and, uh, chapter 30. It talks about the altar of incense and the labor of brass and all the way into 31. And uh, it talks about Bezalel building the ark and the Sabbath and the Ten Commandments. And Moses, was, it just seems like he was up there for a long time. And it's, it's interesting where the Bible says in 30, 30, uh, chapter 32, verse 1, that Moses delayed to come down. And the people noticed that. The people were there in the camp and they were sent there thinking, man, what's going on with Moses? He's been up there. Is he going to come back down? He doesn't seem like he's going to come back down. We're going to have to do some things for ourselves. We're going to have to create our own gods. You know, it just got out of hand, right? Of course, Aaron, he didn't do, you know, he didn't do his job. He messed up and the whole thing was just a big mess. And Moses gets down there. He had to have been discouraged. You know, it's, it's, it's always, it's always discouraging when you think you got something under control and then you've spent a lot of time and effort you know, uh, hashtag kids, right? And then just things, things happen, right? But Moses comes down and the, the people saw that he delayed, right? And that's, I think that's a good spiritual lesson for us because it seems as though in 2023, the Lord is just delaying his coming. It really does. And of course, once we, once we know as we are known and we're not looking through the glass darkly and all those things, we're going to understand exactly what it is the Lord had in mind and what he was going, what he, what, you know, what he's doing and why it was that he's waited for so long. But here we are, we're, we're pre-rapture, right? I mean, we're sitting in church, rapture hasn't happened. It seems like the Lord is really just kind of putting it off, you know? So the, the spiritual lesson for us is don't look at it as though the Lord is delaying his coming, you know? He's got everything under control. You know, you're going to be happy when he comes back and you're doing the right thing. You're not going to be happy if he comes back and you're doing the wrong thing, you know? So let's just keep that in mind. But when Moses comes down, uh, he, he sees the group of people and there's the, you know, there's all this, this, uh, wickedness going on. And then of course there's probably a group of people that were like kind of standoffish and like, I, we don't want to go that way. We kind of know better than that. And Moses says, all right, it's time. It's time to figure this thing out. Okay. Who, who's on the Lord's side? Who's on, you know, whether it be Aaron's side, Aaron ends up making it through somehow, but who's on this side, who's on the Lord's side, right? Just let's figure this out. You make a decision. And in life, we, it's, you got to make decisions. You do. Uh, as an individual, you have to decide, am I going to serve the Lord or I'm not going to serve the Lord? You know, and I, I mentioned that in Sunday school, how there comes a time where it's, it's no longer mommy and daddy, you know? And hopefully that's at your early teens. I'm a, I'm a believer that every, 
Uh, every individual has to go through, I know the Amish talk about like sowing their wild oats. Have you ever heard of that? Sowing their wild oats. Um, they take it kind of to the extreme, like they're really going to go crazy and let's just see and pray that they come back. Um, I, you know, I don't really, I don't really believe that necessarily, but I do think that there's a time where every individual has to decide whether or not they're going to serve the Lord. You know, um, we have three kids uh, it wouldn't look like that because there's only one of them with us because two of them have already left the house and praise the Lord so far. So good. You know, right. you know, it's like, uh, you know, but no, who knows? Right. And it, but the thing is, it's their decision. And I, I think every, every individual kind of in a way, they kind of step out there and say, I, you know, so obviously a lot of them or some of them are a lot more extreme than others, but every individual kind of has this thing where they just want to put their toe in the water and think, well, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. I know what's right, but what what is this this whole thing all about, right? And some people obviously jump in, but you know, I I think that every person has to come to that point and decide. Well, you know what? It, there may be some pleasures of sin for a season, but I'm not going to go that way. And maybe they even get into sin, and maybe they they live a life that uh, isn't pleasing to the Lord, and they come back around. Hey, praise the Lord for that. Um, but I, I, you know, there's not a lot in here that have little kids. It doesn't seem like, but if you have a little kid, just my advice to you, a little bit of wisdom. Don't flip out if they're, if they feel like they're, you feel like they're getting a little rebellious. Maybe they're, they're trying things a little bit that aren't the way that we would do it. Look, they're individuals, you know, they, they got to figure things out for themselves and God and his mercy. Hopefully they don't go too, too crazy, but, um, that's something we have to decide. Is it holiness or unholiness? Is it, is it scripture or tradition? You know, like there's so many things you have to decide. You have to get off the fence. Is it the grace of God or is it the superstitions and the falsehoods of man? You know, is it the gospel, the grace of God, the true gospel that saves you? Or are you going to cling to something else? Is it your own works? Um, Moses definitely drew a line in the sand and this isn't something uncommon that we've seen people that we've seen individuals do in the Bible. Uh, Joshua says at the end of his ministry, he says the same thing. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Do you remember that? The end of Joshua, he says, whether the God, the Amorites, who's laying you dwell, you know, uh, or is it, is it going to be God? Is it going to be their gods? Is it going to be the real God? You got to make that decision. The Lord, uh, says in Revelation, we were just talking about it, brother. We were talking about, Hey, are you hot or cold? You know, you got to decide. This lukewarm business isn't going to do any good. You know, and unfortunately, I think in, in churches, we have a bunch of lukewarm Christians. They can't, you can't tell them one for the other. Can't tell if they're saved or lost. They certainly aren't doing anything one way or the other. They just kind of come to church. They, you know, they're not engaged. They're not involved. It's like they don't care to be there. They're just this kind of a social thing, you know, I, and I don't get that vibe of this church. So I'm, I'm certainly not saying this church. This is like, this is the, the Christian, this is our Christian community. You know, this is, uh, it's, it just, it's crazy to me. And, uh, I, I kind of, I don't want to get into areas that's, that's touchy, but like I, it was crazy to me to see that this, there's this big church over here that we passed all those people in that parking lot. I'm like, where are all those people coming from? You know, it's like in Ridgefield, I guess is a decent sized town, but it's like you would think in 2023, uh, you know, people being as heathenistic as they are, but yet there's still people that go to church. What are they doing? You know, what's happening? What's, 
If all these people are willing to go to church, what, you know, what's, what's going on? Well, a lot of them, they just end up being lukewarm. They just kind of go to church and then they just blend in. You know, it's, it's like they're not really deciding whether or not they want to serve the Lord. Joshua says it. Moses says it. Elijah, he says it. Mount Carmel. How long halt you between two opinions? He said, if it's the God of Israel, if it's Baal, hey, let's make a decision. Uh, the, the Lord says, are you hot or cold? Jesus Christ says in, in John chapter six, those, a lot of those disciples went their own way after he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then you know what he says? He doesn't say, Hey, come back, come back. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. You know what he says? Hey, will you also go away? You're going to leave too. You better make a decision. It's going to get, it's going to get way harder than this. It's going to get way harder than a message that you misinterpreted. It's going to get way harder than this. Are you going to leave? Because now will be the time to go. He said, are you going to go away too? Peter says, no, we're not going. I ain't got no other options, you know. He says, you, you have the words of life. That was the right decision. Hey, in this story here, though, I think you would have to be crazy not to go with Moses. I mean, think, think about a little bit of the history here. I mean, the plagues, the whole, the, the, the dominant world power of the day, Egypt, just got destroyed. And then they got, they crossed over the Red Sea. They crossed over the Red Sea with Moses. I mean, we, they saw all these crazy things with this guy. This guy, they looked at him as a God. Even the Lord said, they're going to look at you like you are a God. I'm going to make you so powerful in the eyes of the people. They're going to follow you. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. That's what happened. That is what happened. Moses was, was so close to God and God gave him so many different things and just the power, uh, I mean, all the miracles that he performed from Moses' hand. I realized that God was the one that did it, but all they saw was Moses doing these things. And, and here they are. And Moses says, are you going to go with this, this unruly bunch? Or are you going to stick with me? I'd say you're crazy if you don't go with Moses. Now I, I, I wasn't there. I didn't make that decision, but I if, just standing here looking at the situation. I think you're crazy if you don't go with Moses. I think you're crazy if you don't go with God. Honestly, I don't know where everyone is here this morning. But if you haven't made the decision, I'm going to go with the God of the universe. I'm sticking with him. I think you're crazy. I think you're crazy. Like, I don't know what else is pulling you this direction. I know the world has got its, 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 you know, ways of just dragging people in and persuading people. But man, really, when, when the dust settles and you're there at night and you're thinking of eternity, heaven or hell, I'm going with God. I'm going with God and I'm taking Jesus Christ. Right. And he's, Hey, he's available. He's available right now. He says, whosoever will let him come. That's his invitation right now. You have the opportunity to take him. If you don't take Jesus Christ, I think you're crazy. Okay. I know that sounds kind of rude, but I just think you're nuts. If you're not going to take Jesus Christ, you're going to take yourself. No way. Look at second Kings chapter 17. Brother Dan said I could take my jacket off. I'm taking it off. Okay. Second Kings chapter 17. Now, I, 
I get myself in these positions where I want to make a comment, honestly, on a story. So it's not so much a passage. There's a story behind this. So it's like Moses on the mount. You have to understand the story. And you guys, you've been in Sunday school probably, you understand. But just to understand that, like, he was up there for so long, right? There's all these things that are going on, 40 days and 40 nights. We know how long he was up there. But this story in 2 Kings 17, the story goes that, that Israel goes into captivity. The nation of Israel, Samaria, the northern ten tribes. Okay, if you know your Bible, this is a huge point in the Old Testament. Uh, the Samaria goes into captivity. Assyria, remember Assyria? That other nation that just is harassing them the whole time? Finally, they, they break in and they take the city and now it's under the control of, of, uh, Assyria. I keep wanting to say Samaria. So look over in 2 Kings chapter 17 in verse 24 and you read something that I think is very interesting. It says, the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and Kutha and Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the city of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwellings there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. So. You have the established government broken down there in Samaria because now a, uh, the Assyrians are, are in control. And the king of Assyria says, hey, let's send some people from Babylon. Let's send some people from, um, here in Assyria. We're going to get the, we're going to try to get some kind of order in this country now because we obviously busted it all up. And then as, as he sent these people from the other countries, Naturally, what they bring them is uh, their own gods. Look in verse 30. It says, the men of Babylon, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm going to act like it, made Sukoth Binoth, Binoth, that sounds good, Sukoth Binoth. And the men of Cuth made Nurgle, and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Ivites made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sepharites burnt their children in the fire to Dramalak and Anamalak and the gods of Sepharvain. Now, excuse me for mispronouncing those if I did. Um, but as you can see, these different men, they brought in their different gods, right? It says the men of Babylon brought this god, the Syrians brought this god. And so th- this was the nation of Israel. This was like we serve the god. But now you have all these different leaders coming in. They're bringing in their different gods. And something interesting happens. Verse 32. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Uh, and then in conclusion, verse 41, it says, So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so did they unto this day. You know what happened? These The, the country gets busted up. They bring these other rulers in. They bring these other gods. And the children of Israel decided that they were going to fear God and serve 
these other gods that these other kings brought in. Did you get that? That's, that's crazy. That's, that's a weird thing that just happened. So they're fearing the Lord, but at the same time, they're serving and fearing other gods that are contrary to the Lord. Okay. It's like a house divided against itself. That's what you see going on. This is literally a person who has one foot on this side and one foot on that side. He's straddling the fence. He has just, that whole family has decided to not take a stand. They haven't even chosen a side. They're doing both. All right? It's it's a really weird, bizarre situation. Don't you think that's a weird situation? Imagine if we're like, today we're going to read out of the Bible and we're going to read out of the Quran. You know? We're going to read out of the Bible and we're going to read uh, some of the writings of Buddha. So we're going to pray and then we're going to meditate to Buddha. I mean, please just shake your head. That would just be that sound. It sounds even wrong to say, right? Hey, that's what was going on. It's it's almost like a multiple personality disorder. Right. OK, now I hope you guys are still riding along with me. Okay, because we're, we're going to get there. Go over to Romans chapter seven. And this ride will not be as long as brother Mike, brother Mike, correct? 8,000 miles across the country. It won't be that long. Promise this, this ride will end at around 12 o'clock. Okay, but look what Paul says in Romans 7. He says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says, I have this conflict inside of me to where I know what's right to do, but I don't want to do what, what is right. I know what, I know what I should be doing, but I want to do something different. Okay. And now in, in, in our biblical New Testament terminologies, we would say the old man and the new man. We'd also say the flesh and the spirit. Now you can, you can, you know, dress it all up however way you want it or try to doctrinalize distinction and all this stuff. But the reality is when it all comes down to it and you're by yourself and you're, and you're, you're you want to serve the Lord inside, you have a battle that is your flesh and your spirit. It's these two opposing things. One of them wants to do the right thing and the other one wants to do the wrong thing. Okay. So in, inside of you, you have like a multiple personality disorder. Now, if you don't, then you're lost. You just got one thing going on. So now for you to, for you to admit, yeah, I want to do the wrong thing, but I want to do the right thing. That's actually, that's, that's actually like good on you because that means that you're saved. If you, if you sit here and you say, um, all I want to do is the wrong thing. And I'm like, well, then maybe you need the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you, if you sat here and said, all I want to do is the right thing, then you're a big liar. <laughs> That's the only option. Okay. You're a liar. 
Like I've been around too long to think that there's any one Christian that just always wants to do the right thing and always does the right thing. So multiple personality disorders characterized by the presence of two or more distinct or split identities or personality states that continually have power over the person's behavior. So you are split right down the middle. Now, the issue is you have to decide which side you want to be on every day. It's up to you. You you have to make that decision. It's like Moses is standing there saying, are you on my side or are you on the other side? You know, you can't be like those Israelites that decided, well, you know, uh, we know that we know that the God, the Lord God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that's the real God. But for us, it's real convenient. These other gods are in town and, uh, you know, they kind of have what's going on. You know, they're ruling the city. We'll just serve them and then we'll go home and we'll serve our God and we'll serve them. Look, this is what's going on in Christian, in our Christian community, uh, throughout the entire nation, throughout the entire world. This, this country is plagued with this. For whatever Christians think, they can be friends with the world and then they can be friends with God and everything will be hunky dory. It will not. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know what we call that? A hypocrite. A hypocrite. And you know who sees it more than any? Your kids. And your wife. And your family that you're trying to witness to. And your coworkers. They see that you're being a hypocrite. You can't, you can't serve God and mammon, right? What's the Bible say? The flesh lusted against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. What does that mean? That means the flesh the flesh, uh, it's not so much that it's fighting against the spirit. It's that it wants something different than what the spirit wants. And the spirit wants something different than the flesh wants. And that's why it says these are contrary one to another. And that you cannot do the things that you would. In other words, the one wants this thing and the one wants that thing. It's like you can't, you can't eat cheeseburgers and pizza at the same time. Now I know that practically you, you kind of can. But just think of how disgusting that would be. Right? You can't have, you can't have your cake and eat it too, which is kind of a dumb saying, you can't have your cake and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But do you understand what I'm saying? This group, this, this side of you wants this, this side of you wants that. If you decide that you're gonna do this, what you're doing is opposite of what this wants. That's what the, that's what the verse is saying. The flesh wants this, the spirit wants this. Well, you have a decision to make. You can't do both. You can't do both. So more plainly put, if you do what the flesh wants, you're not doing what the spirit wants. But if you do what the spirit wants, then you're not doing what the flesh wants. So the silver lining in this is that if you actually serve the spirit, it it does get stronger to where the desires of the flesh aren't as overcoming as they used to be. And praise the Lord. So it's it's not all bad. It's not all bad. It's not like you're always going to wrestle with the same desires of the same magnitude for the rest of your life. No. If, if you build the spirit up and you get strong in the spirit, the desire of the flesh become less enticing. That doesn't mean they go away. It doesn't mean that you will never mess up. It just means that it becomes a little bit easier over time. But if you always give into the flesh and you always do what the flesh wants, 
then the flesh gets stronger and the spirit gets weaker and the chances of you winning whenever those two things come up against each other are not good. They're not good. And that's what happens. We just give them to the flesh, 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 give them to the flesh. And then it's like, maybe we want a spiritual victory. Too bad. You're going to lose. Right? This is like in, in a, you know, sports terminology being like an NFL team playing against, uh, you know, a, a high school team. Right? It's like that flesh has gotten so big. There's no way that it, there's no chance in the one of them winning. It's like, well, I'm, I'm rooting for the spiritual high school team. Too bad. They're going to lose. It's going to be ugly. Okay. Now, um, the, I want to give you some help this morning. Amen? Amen. I need some help. I need some help. But I think before we get too far into this, I think we have to at least be honest with ourselves. Okay. The first, the first thing that we're going to have to do if we want to choose the right side is at least be honest that we are the way that the Bible describes us as being right. So this is a, I've already kind of covered this, but this is kind of a huge turnoff to the world. They, and I think in some ways they want what we want. I honestly think, and this is from, this is a little bit from living out here in liberal land out here. in well, I'd say Oregon, we're not actually in Oregon, but the Northwest and being around a lot of people that are liberal minded. Okay. That's just the reality. There's a ton of liberal minded people in this area, the, where we live down in Hillsborough and they're, you know, they don't want Sunday school. They don't want church. They don't want prayer time. They don't want God. They don't want the Bible, but you know what they do want? They want the fruits of what those things bring. They, they like the idea of a Christian community. They're not, they're not going to say Christian community, but they like, they like what a Christian community looks like where people are honest. They leave, you know, you know, it's like your rights, your rights are being protected, you know, and, and, and homes are, are where they should be and families love each other. And you, you understand what I mean? You can be liberal minded and still appreciate these things. In a way that they want, they want what we have, but they obviously they don't want to go, they they don't want to go the route that takes them there, right? They don't want to go, you know, humble themselves before God, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, be disciplined, this, that, or the other. But I tell you what, they may they may like what the Christian community produces, but they they just they can't stand how big of a hypocrite we are. And, um, you know, it's easy to just take, just take a big old paintbrush and say liberalism, you know, well, those people are liberal. Well, you know what happens if you actually talk to somebody and you, you kind of, f- you find out what their history is and what happened to them along the way, you'll find out that they either had a, <clears throat> a bad experience with somebody that was Christian or they were in a church that something happened inside that church or something happened in their family that made them bitter, this, that, or the other. It's not like they were just born with this liberal mindset, like nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the Bible. You know, do you understand what I mean? There's something that happened that tainted that. With, with everybody, everybody. I can think of some people in my family 
who are extreme liberal now. And I know exactly, I could almost point to the, to the month, definitely the year in which that, that, that whole thing just turned. And I know exactly what happened. And it was, somebody was a big hypocrite. That's what happened. Now, that may not be the case in every, every situation, but we can at least say that in some case or some place, something was done wrong by a Christian or, or a Christian community or whatever that got them on that road. So, in plainer put, Christians are just not sold out. They haven't made the decision, I am wholly on the Lord's side. I've made that decision, like, I'm going to serve the Lord. We have what, what liberals or what non-Christian people look at, they look at the, the Christians in America as just being this social group. That's what they are. They're just a social group. They're just, it, they're just a bunch of hypocrites to them. They see them as going to church, but then outside of that, there's nothing else that's different. Right? It's they're split right down the middle. They're serving the Lord and they're serving the gods of Baal. So, I think for us, the first thing that has to happen is you got to just stop acting pious. Okay? Admit that you are that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink some water and let that sink in just a little bit. <laughs> hey, it's the truth. Yeah. You're a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. Right. I, I mean, it's a good thing that the world hasn't seen some of the things that I've done. Right. It's a good thing that my coworkers or the ones that I've been around haven't seen the worst things that I've done. They they look, I mean, it's God's mercy. They look at me and say, wow, you know, the Lord's really blessed you. This, that, or the other. You're a good Christian person. It's like, man, I'm glad you don't know me. You know, but if you're losing your testimony with your coworkers or you're losing your testimony with your kids or whatever, Hey, just first thing to say, I admit it. I'm a hypocrite. I, I can remember as a teenager, I saw some things that happened with my parents. I didn't, I didn't agree with, and I saw some of my older siblings turn away from the Lord and I saw why it is they were doing that. And I was at that crossroads where I was like, well, I don't like the hypocrisy. I don't like the decisions that were made. It it would be good for me. It would actually fix a lot of things if, if one of my parents would just say, Hey, you know what? We were wrong when we did that. We were wrong. We didn't make the right decision and just be honest. You know, it, it, if you have trouble with your kids, the best thing to do is just be honest with them. I'm sorry. I didn't. Sorry. That you, you saw, you, you saw the part of me that I didn't want you to see or eventually it was obvious that I wasn't as spiritual as you thought I was. I'm sorry. Whatever, whatever apologies have to be done, but you know, just be honest. Amen. All right. Look over in first Samuel real quick. You know, we don't have time actually to read all this passage. But you can at least write down 1 Samuel 16. And this morning, we want to be on the Lord's side, okay? And real quick, I just want to say a couple things. Number one, be honest. And then number two, I want to say that we should use, that we should use music in the right way. Amen? First Samuel 16. So here's the, here's the thought. We're on the fence. 
Okay? We're having, we're having everyday struggles. Are we going to serve the flesh? Or are we going to serve the spirit? What are we going to do? This is, this is the choose you this day whom you will serve. Who is on the Lord's side? Well, for me, what I've seen, 1 Samuel 16, I'll just explain the story because I don't have time to read it. You have David and Saul, okay? And David is, is obviously the spiritual person there and Saul is having this, uh, multiple personality disorder. <laughs> he is a perfect example, example of a schizo, right? And one day he's happy, he's like serving the Lord, and then the next day he's a maniac, you know? And this, when David takes off, it gets even worse. Like he just becomes an absolute maniac. He, he slaughters an entire town in Israel because he's a maniac, you know? And he goes through these bouts where it's like he's, he's doing real good and he's in the right frame of mind and then all of a sudden he turns on a dime and he just can't control himself. And, you know, he's having one of these moods. Okay. And Daniel's called in or David, excuse me. And David gets on the harp and he plays and, and you know what happens? His mood changes from being an absolute crazy person to where his spirit is calmed and now he's under control. Right. You guys remember that story? Okay. Now, uh, as a Christian, let me just tell you something. Everybody, is everybody here listening to music? Raise your hand if you listen to music. Okay. What I see with, I don't know why that's funny, but I guess it is funny. There are people that don't listen to music. Not very common. So what I see with among Christians is, especially in 2023, is that most Christians don't listen to music that help them. Now, I could take like the old school route on this and be like, you need to listen to godly music and only psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and cut out that carnal music, this, that, and the other. And there, there's truth in all that. But you know what I've seen also when, when preachers do all that stuff, it doesn't make a difference. For whatever reasons, Christians just, they'll listen to carnal music. Okay? Now maybe it's because they don't know this carnal music. I don't really know. But I mean, come on. It's like, even if you think that Country music is Christian music. You're crazy. It's not Christian music, right? It may not be as bad as ACDC or whatever. I don't even know the bands anymore, but it's still carnal music. They still sing about fornication and drinking and this, that, and the other. And Okay. So we're not going to argue on whether or not country music is carnal or what is carnal music. Is light rock? Is this, that, the other? Is contemporary Christian okay? Look, we don't have time to go into all that. But I will say this, most Christians do themselves a huge disservice by listening to the wrong music. Because what they do is they turn the music on, whether it's even a lot of contemporary Christian or country music or rock or whatever, and the wrong spirit gets stirred up inside of them. Okay, now, now it's on you. You figure out what that is. Okay, because I didn't just tell you what was carnal and what was spiritual. You, why don't you turn it on and figure out what spirit is being driven up inside of you? If, if you turn on some, a specific type of music and you feel like you can take the whole, the world on, you know, and you can defeat everybody and you're a big bad dude, then you're listening to the wrong music. I don't know. If you turn music on and you think you're the coolest guy in the world because of the beat, you're listening to the wrong music. It's, it's, it's stirring up the wrong spirit. 
There's music that you can listen to that like, that stirs up the Holy Spirit and wants you to like live for the Lord, wants you to witness, wants you to do better. I'm being honest. Now, I don't know what that is for you. Okay. And nowadays it's more complex than it ever has been. And it shouldn't be because now you can literally listen to any type of genre of music with a touch of the, of the screen. You don't have to buy the CD, right? You don't have to burn the tape or whatever. Mix the tape. <laughs> you literally just hit your phone. It's on your phone. But it's your, it's up to you. You can listen to the uh, good, good Christian uh, spiritual music or you can listen to the world's trash. Okay, and if maybe you're maybe you're already figuring out from my tone what, how I feel about country music or rock music or whatever. <laughs> there again, I didn't tell you not to listen to it, but I, I've never had success with Christians trying to tell them what kind of music to listen to. So let's take a different route and say, why don't you listen to music that, that provokes you to serve the Lord, yeah. and you decide what that is. Yeah. And if it's Aerosmith, then you're crazy. <laughs> But, hey, if that's what does it, then whatever. I would say something, Taylor Swift, I've heard of her. If it's Taylor Swift, if she's provoking you to serve the Lord, then you're crazy too. But what I'm saying is, you know what it is. You know what it is. And if you never listened to, to a song that has stirred up the, the, the Holy Spirit inside of you and was like, man, I, I just love the Lord. I cannot believe what he's done for me, Right? And it brings you to tears. If you've never listened to that kind of music, then you need to talk to somebody that can show you some good music. But I kind of feel like most of y'all have heard that music and you just decide to not listen to that music. Hey, what what was the first point? Just admit that you're wrong. That's the one thing about carnal music. It seems like everybody listens to carnal music. So it, I don't, to me, it's like if you're sitting in here and you're listening to carnal music, Okay, well, then you're just in with everybody else. Let's just admit that we're not doing it right and do better. Admit that we have that flesh inside of us that wants to listen to that wrong music and we've given over to it too often. Let me tell you something. You're ruining a great chance to provoke something inside of you to serve the Lord. You're making it more difficult on yourself. Okay? It's like missing church or any other kind of thing. If you miss church, you've lost an opportunity to get encouraged to serve the Lord, all those types of things. You see this story with Saul. His spirit was stirred inside of him or like he was, he was soothed, you know, and he, and the Lord was able to control him and it was done through what? Music. Yeah. It was music. It's undeniable. Music will affect your spirit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. We're almost done. These last ones are super quick. We're going to get out of here real, real close to 12. I just want you to know that I'm skipping pages of pages of my notes. I'm skipping pages of my notes. Hebrews chapter 10. You guys know this passage. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is this? This is, uh, I mean, 
in the Baptist circles, this is going to church, but it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah. It's get get around the right people. Right. Okay, so we got this problem. We're we're having to decide which way, flesh or spirit. Okay, let's be honest. We have that problem. Let's also help ourselves a little bit. Let's listen to some good music to help us make the right decisions. All right, now let's get around the right people to help us make the right decisions. Hey, look, you're doing it right now. You're here. You did it. And now it's helping you. Now it's like you thought about it. Yes, I want to make the right decisions. I don't want to serve the flesh. You're right. I want to serve the Lord. You're here. Why else would you be here? Unless your parents drug you here. Silas may be the only person here. And hey, Silas is going to have to go through this too. Real soon, he's going to decide, man, am I going to, am I going to serve the Lord? Is this me? Am I going to do this? I know it's the right thing to do. But which way am I going to go? Hey, being around the right people, having the right music, being honest about it, those things are going to help you. You know, you can deceive yourself. You can act like you're just this big spiritual person. You're like, well, I don't have a problem with this. I don't have a problem with that. No, that's not the way you should live your life. Be honest about it. Say, I, I do have these problems and I want to help. I want help with them. You know, I have this flesh inside of me. So get around the right people. Um, look over in first John. I don't have a, a verse written down for this, but I have read your Bible when you don't feel like it. I mean, re, just saying reading your Bible, I don't think cuts it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible. Read it when you don't feel like reading your Bible. It helps. You know, a lot of times you get something when you read your Bible when you don't feel like it more than when you read your Bible when you feel like it. It's a, it's a spiritual thing, man. It's like if you don't feel like reading your Bible, there's probably... There, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all creepy here, but there's, there are spiritual aspects to it. There may be some kind of spirit that is, that is affecting you. And it's like, you're giving into that spirit. If you read your Bible when you don't want to read your Bible, there's victory to be had in that. And the Lord will help you. So read your Bible when you don't feel like reading your Bible. Which, you know, unfortunately, uh, comes more often than it should. So first John chapter two and verse 15. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. You know, you actually find this in this passage. We forsook a long time ago in Exodus, but he says, Moses says, consecrate yourselves. Did you hear, did you hear that? He says, come on, get, get away from that group. That was the idea. He's like, you have this group that's causing problems. Now make a decision. Are you going to be a part of that group or are you going to be a part of this group? He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. You know, it's up to you. Are you going to, are you going to engage with what the world has going on, what the world has to offer? Or are you going to say, no, this is where we draw a line. Okay. Now it's one thing to have, Things that you enjoy, things that you do, you know, and they inevitably have something to do with the world. But I'm talking about like, just like loving and and it's like being obsessed with the world. You know, you hear these people talk about, uh, movies and the actors and the actresses and they did this and they, it's like, okay, I get that. Like, I remember when I was younger, 
You know, in the 90s, I could tell you probably all of the actors and actresses that were popular. Nowadays, I can't as much. I don't, I don't watch as much, but I know that still goes on. It's like there, there, there becomes like a, a point where it's like you're almost fascinated with that stuff. It's one thing to just appreciate, hey, that's a good movie or that's a good show or whatever, but to, to like love it and like, like, do you understand what I mean? It's like you're engaged with it. You're, it's, it's just, it's almost like a part of you. The Bible says don't do that. Don't love the world. Don't, you know, stay away from the world as much as possible. Consecrate yourself. Get away from it. Uh, you shouldn't let, you know, things like the news and, uh, social media and all that stuff control you right that's them there should be a point where you're like that's them and this is me this is my house okay so i I don't know where that line is for you i'm not saying that you should never watch netflix or or whatever i'm not saying you should never go to the theater you should never watch a movie what i'm saying is don't let yourself get to the point where you just love all that stuff okay because then it just it, it it just draws you away Look what the Bible says in James. And this is, I know these are hard words, but James chapter 4. Uh, James 4, 4, ye adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Hey, that's pretty hard stuff, isn't it? But we, we can, we can draw away some real simple understanding. If you love the world and if you're a friend of the world, it's like everything that the world has to offer. Now you're dumped in all that and all that's all you care about. Well, look, there's God over there. You, you cross the line. Now I, I understand we live in the world. There's some things that we just can't get away from. But individually, I think that you know where that line is. All right. And then the last thing I want to say is just real simple that you can't be in the middle. What does the Bible say? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay. You can't serve God and man. Jesus Christ says, will you go away? You know, Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve over and over again. Anyone that is anyone that has been given this opportunity in the Bible says, look, you got to decide. Is it here or is it there? But not in the middle. Not in the middle. That, and I already spoke to this on a lot of the, this subject, but being in the middle is what causes so much damage among, uh, among Christians. Yeah. Yeah. With their families, with the world, with all that stuff. It's, it's confusing. It's, it's discouraging. Some people get angry about it. Uh, you, there has to be a point, uh, some, something inside of you where you just have to choose. You know what the choice is? The choice is, I, I'm going to win this battle. That's the choice you have to make. Now, honestly, if you've never got to the point where you're like, I'm going to win this battle, you lost the battle. You know? Yeah. I read the story, um, of over in Denmark where they have, uh, during the, during World War II and the, the Germans actually invaded Denmark and a couple of those other countries and they basically took them without even fighting, right? It came in so fast, you know, they realized there was no point in fighting and Denmark was one of those countries that just kind of gave up, right? And uh, it's not that they wanted what the Nazis wanted or they went along with it, but they had no choice. They just gave up. Well, naturally, there was a lot of citizens in there that were 
not for what they were doing. They started hearing of all the atrocities that were going on. Just a simple fact that they came in and overrun their country. That would make anybody upset, right? I mean, that would make you upset if, if another country came in here and just started telling you what to do in this town and what, what you're supposed to be doing in your homes and all this stuff. Well, that, you know, so then there's these, these people, you know, whether it be, uh, young, young men or middle-aged men, they had a decision to make. Are, are they going to, oh, well, there was a decision to make of whether I'm going to enlist in the German army and help them in their cause, or am I going to, uh, resist, not enlist, right? And actually choose to fight against them in, in their own way. Now, obviously they couldn't take up arms and actually fight them, they would get killed automatically. So a lot of them, what they did was these underground type uh, sabotage missions. I'm sure you probably read about this, but this is, go- this is going on in all those countries, France and, and Sweden and Denmark. But in Denmark in particular, there was these groups, and they had all their connections and everything, and they would they they started out by just doing stuff real simple, like cutting a gas line on one of the German uh, Jeeps or something, right? And then they would, they would build up their confidence. And before long, they were bombing railways and uh big warehouses that had all kinds of artillery and like uh weapons and stuff in there just doing all that they could they actually made quite a bit of damage create quite a bit of damage and and hurt the german war effort because of of their little their missions and and sabotage and of course the natural the thing there was that they uh, you know a lot of them got cat not a lot but Quite a few of them got captured and killed and different things like that. But that was something they knew that was going to happen. It was like, that was the risk. But the, they, that was a decision they had to make. Were they going to go along and get along? Were they just going to be okay? I, I know that I don't agree with this, but I'm going to go along with it. Or am I actually going to resist and fight? It's going to be harder. It's going to be harder. There's going to be the risk. There's going to be things that I don't, I don't like about it, but I make that decision. And wh- where are you this morning? I mean, honestly, you have to decide what you want to do. And my, my thing would be, whatever you do, don't find yourself in the middle. Okay. And of course, understand that I'm not telling you to serve other gods or serve the devil or whatever. But if you're going to be in, uh, if you're going to be a Christian and thank God you've come out to church, you've made that decision. Why don't you make the decision to just go ahead and fight against the flesh, right? Choose the Lord's side. Choose, choose actually say, I'm not going to be a schizo this week. I'm not going to like go to church and act all holy and, and read my Bible and everything. And then the minute I walk out of church, do this, that, or the other, they just, you know, I'm not going to act like a Christian here and then not a Christian there. You understand? I'm going to be a Christian. Like I want to be completely the same. I want to be transparent. I want to be serving the Lord in my character throughout all the week. Not just the times when other people see me. Or where it's important or where it's a, you know, it's like a, a gathering. It's like, listen, you wait until, until something happens to develop a prayer life. It's too late. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you wait until somebody gets in a car wreck or there is uh, some kind of bad news from a doctor and somebody's terminally ill. It's like, oh, I guess I'm going to start praying. I'm going to develop my prayer life and be a prayer warrior. It's too late. Right. It's too late. You got to make that decision now. Yeah. I mean, you want to serve the Lord? You want to be ready for the battle? Yeah. You got to make that decision. Amen. I'd say, choose you the Lord. You know, choose you today whom you will serve. Whether it be the Lord, the God of the Amorites. I say, let's serve the Lord. Like I said earlier, let's choose Jesus Christ. Right? 
Forget about the world. They may be enticing at times, you know, and, and they may catch your attention at times, but let's put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's worth it. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message today. Thank you for these that have come out and, um, just the attention they've given. And, uh, I'm sure that there's plenty of them in here that want to serve the Lord. And we pray God that you please help them. Pray that you would uh, give them the strength, overcome the flesh, Lord, the different things that they have, different habits maybe that they have given into that they can't overcome. Lord, help them to take the small steps in just uh, admitting that they're weak, Lord, asking you for the help, uh, uh, do the simple things to, to help and encourage them to stay in the fight. Um, possibly this issue of music, Lord. Maybe it could be an encouragement to somebody to listen to some good music and, and keep the Holy Spirit going with them all week. Um, certainly to come here at church and be around God's people and be around friends and family that will uh, also encourage them to, to be good Christians. We pray that you would um, please just be with all the things that are spoken here this morning. We thank you, Lord, uh, for giving us this choice and dying on the cross for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go ahead and sing a hymn in closing.